So welcome back to the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. I'm back with Phoenix Soul, my special guest today. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so, and we are talking about self-care and self-love. And this topic spans so many different ideas and other concepts and topics um, that we're actually just kind of getting into the definition of self-care. So I'm going to read a little bit of stuff. Feel free to jump in whenever you want to. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start off with what self-care is and the difference between self-love and self-care for people who don't know, um, because they're so closely tied together. It's, sure. it's hard to keep them separate. And then I'll also kind of go into, you know, um, the concepts of what self-care means for you, what self-care means in a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, what self-care means with family members, And then also like some key points, Um, you know, so I'll talk about, you know, the definitions of self-care and self-love. I'll also talk about what self-care means for you as a person, what it means in a relationship. And then I'll also kind of go into some key points and then I'll list a bunch of things about how to love yourself and things that you can do to love yourself that are also going to contribute to your relationship. Right. And you can fill in to, to, to chime in about anything whenever you want. Right. And I'll try to, you know, kind of let you know. Uh, when I can about um, things that I'd love to hear your perspective and opinion about. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the the definitions for self-care. And these are just things that I randomly looked up. Um, so according to one source, self-care means taking care of yourself physically and mentally while self-love means showing kindness to yourself. Mm. If you are able to take care of yourself and love yourself, you will be able to be more present and loving towards your partner which can help strengthen the bond of your relationship. For sure. That's one thing I found. Another thing stated this, self-love is a state of appreciation for oneself that grows from actions that support our physical, psychological, and spiritual growth. Like, and you said that earlier, right? Self-love means having a high regard for your own well-being and happiness. Self-love means taking care of your own needs and not sacrificing your well-being to please others mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and you know before i kind of jump in a little bit into more what i found online i'd like to just kind of interject this um you know one of the analogies that i love to use which <laughs> i kind of find funny is the one where when you go on a flight and the flight attendants kind of go through the little drill about yeah. safety and they talk about you know applying the oxygen mask to yourself before helping others. For sure. And I'm like sitting there thinking, well, if something happens with this flight, like I don't think you're going to have to worry about me <laughs> using my mask before helping others. But you know, you never know what's going to happen. But you know, the thing about it is the second part of what I just said, and that is not sacrificing your well-being to please others. Yeah. You know, like I said earlier, I don't necessarily get into like politics. But I do talk about philosophy and I talk about personalities and things like this. I think, um, and I guess depending on specific events that you could look at in history, you know, I mean, you could go through a lot of events. Um, Some are coming to mind for me, but I think in the society that we live in today, so many people are just tuned into their own interests and not the well-being of the planet and the well-being of others. But I think that makes it tough for people who are empathic like you and I, because we're so in tune to helping other people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other people don't have the same motives. Do you think that that's true? I don't. No? Okay. 
I think that genuinely people want to give. You know, when I think about when we're kids, you know, a kid will just hand you something. Here. Yes, true. Like that's your genuine spirit. True. And through life, you develop that hardness and I've got to hold on to this. So I don't think that's the genuine nature that we have. Okay. I think that so many people are just out of tune. Yes. So like when I think about an instrument, if the instrument is out of tune, it just can't play. It doesn't mean that the elements to play the song are not there, but you're just not in tune. But when you get in tune, then you start to think about the things that you love and the passions. And then you can really move forward, but you're just not in tune. So you think, so it sounds like what you're saying is that you think a lot of people are walking around out of tune. Walking dead. Wow. That is amazing. That is amazing. And I haven't thought about it. And see, that's, that's why I love this kind of stuff because I learned because I hadn't thought about it in that sense before, Mm -hmm. but you're saying basically that people are inherently good, but the world that we live in because of whatever factors and forces are causing the people, causing people to be out of tune with their natural God given or however you look at it, their natural God given kind of inert tendency. Society has not promoted connection to self. True. For various different reasons, like True. industry, rule, or whatever you want to call True. it. But there hasn't been a, if you hone in on you, then you will succeed. You know, like that's a self-development field that was created. And now people are gravitating to it. They're seeking it right. because of the turmoil in their lives. It's not as though that's being taught in school. Meditation's not being True. taught in school. True. Confidence building is not being taught True. in school. Self-esteem. So you go through life not having the tools until you make the decision like, you know what? I'm tired of this. And then you start to attract the information and the people that can help you build. But people are just out of touch. You know, the funny thing is that is so true, especially with children. And so they did a study. <laughs> I'm always keeping up, trying to keep yeah, up with, love with the Yeah, the kids... They show you everything. But they did a study, um, and and I think they've been doing these kind of studies for decades now, but they did a study, and they were basically talking about which countries have the best learning systems, Mm. right, and the best teaching, right? And they, I believe, if I'm I'm not incorrect, um, they were talking about, I believe it was Finland, and they were talking about about how they use, you know, all these different ways so that kids stay connected to who they are, right? And like meditation and things like that. And they showed superior results in terms of performance on exams and things like that. And their kids were more resilient. For sure. And more positive. For sure. Like kids come in inherently knowing who they are. They like what they like. They don't like what they don't like. That's and and they're passionate about what they're passionate about. That child never leaves. That child always lives within the same passions that I have now. I came in with. Right. So our ability to thrive as human beings is our ability to stay connected to that inner child and to become as or to release and not be as tainted as possible. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know what? That and that that's so funny because one of the things that I do at my practice is I try to create techniques and methods that nobody else uses. And that's funny that you said that because I created 
a, a technique, which there's a special session for called an inner child trauma release session. Yes. And every client who I've had has done that, has raved and reviewed about it. And we'll do that session. And by the end of the session, they're like crying yes. and just releasing all this trauma from childhood. May, May Lott talked about that in her podcast. Yes. But every single client who I've had who've done that kind of inner child trauma release session where they just kind of release all the different versions of themselves sure. that endured trauma and disappointment sure. and hurt and, you know, disappointment and disbelief and all those kind of things. They release it and, and they're just different after that session. Mm-hmm. But that's so funny that you said that uh, because, you know, a lot of people don't think of it like this. Um, but the way that the mind works is this. There are all these different parts of your brain that are like a committee working yes. together to come up with the decision. So when people struggle with the decision, mm. what they don't realize is there's one part of their brain that wants to go forward with a decision, but there are three other parts of the committee, different parts of the brain that are saying, I don't think that's a good idea. Facts. Right. Facts. And so when people are conflicted or when they are indecisive or they can't figure out what their priorities are or their direction, that's because they're different parts of their brain that have not come to an agreement. I'm so happy you spoke of that because in my master's program, Mm -hmm. which was in transpersonal psychology, the most powerful exercise was called who's driving the bus. So envision you're walking up on the bus and it's all the aspects of your personality. This aspect of your personality, like, you know, and this person may be the driver, but maybe they shouldn't be the driver because they right. like to engage in things that aren't quite safe. Absolutely. So knowing who's on the bus and knowing who's driving the bus to say, you know what, maybe you should sit down because right now is not your time. <laughs> and maybe you who've been over there and you've been quiet. Right. It's time for you to come forward. Right. So you're you're so spot. I love that exercise and I'm inspired to do it now because it's like you need to know these different aspects of you and they need to be in communication. Right. You know, and it also reminds me of, of, of a, another kind of uh, principle or kind of concept that I thought about is, is the hats theory. Right. Yeah. So a lot of that's another concept in psychology where people kind of get into a different zone by putting on a different hat. Mm. Right. So one hat is a creativity hat and another hat is a, a practicality hat. Right. I and, love that. And it also kind of reminds me of different signs. So I think some people are really, really in tune with their zodiac sign, their astrological sign. And so sometimes there's a time where everybody should wear a Leo hat where they're going to be. And there's another time where people need to be an Aquarius and calm down and and just kind of go with the flow, Mm -hmm. which Aquarius water, that makes sense. Or a Virgo hat, which I'm a Virgo, but it's all about practicality and intuitiveness and, and things like that. Or a cancer hat or a Taurus. Taurus is the bull, right? So I think that's a great point because I think, the way that neural networks work in the brain is once a neural network is created, it's the path, it's the path of least resistance. So once you create a neural path work, whether it's for drinking or smoking or yoga or Reiki or for a creative outlet, when you encounter new circumstances in life, you're more likely to use those networks rather than create a new network because that's the path of least resistance. The same thing is true with people and how they make decisions and how their mind works, yeah. right? Once people are used to using certain networks and patterns in terms of their thinking and their brain, 
rather than try a new pattern when a novel situation comes up, they'd rather use an existing oh. pattern. And sometimes that doesn't jive with the new situation. Sure. And that's when they become you know, decisive or they do things that just don't work that are count, you know, that are counter uh, counterintuitive, or they might do things that are self-sabotaging. And sometimes you'll walk, you'll meet people who are and you're just like, who's driving the bus. And that person is totally tuned into a zone of chaos and destruction and anger. And there's some people you meet like that, and you're just like, that person is just anger, angry. And you wonder, is that how they walk around all the time, or is that just the season? Yeah. But some people, I believe, are like that. They've got, they let the same dysfunctional person drive the bus mm. all the time. Mm. And the functional parts of themselves are imprisoned. In the back. Yeah. At the back of the bus. Back of the bus. So let's jump in a little bit deeper into self-care and self-love. So I'm going to read a little bit more here. And this is about how to love yourself in a relationship, right? And I'm just going to read what it says here. In order to have a healthy relationship, both you and your partner need to be healthy yourselves. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And yes, physical health is always important, but that's not exactly what we mean here. We mean that both you and your partner need to be able to support and care for your own mental and emotional health. No matter how much you and your partner love each other, you cannot defer responsibility for your overall well-being. It can be easy to get caught up in your relationship no matter what stage it's in, but it's crucial to stay connected with yourself so that you can evaluate and work to improve your mental and emotional well-being. This is often easier said than done, but focusing on two different concepts, self-care and self-love, can help you stay in tune, which is what you said earlier, right, with yourself so that you can be more present for yourself, your partner, and your relationship. And that's so uh, insightful and synchronized that you were just a second ago talking about being and staying in tune and that so many people are walking around out of tune. And this whole part that I just read here that you hadn't read reads the exact same thing. So relationships are mirrors. So whatever I'm seeing in you is what you're reflecting that is inside of me. And so I definitely feel that, you know, within my own relationship, when I feel some sort of, you know, anger or not understanding it's about me stopping the projection and going inside of myself right. and seeing what about me is angry. What am I doing that's angry with me? True. What am I doing that's, you know, upset with me? Right. And when I change that, everything around me changes. Shifts. It shifts because it's how I, I'm empowered. It's in how I show up. So in that way, I I really love relationships because they show you who you are or where you need to grow. And if we stop projecting out, then we really allow ourselves to grow. You know, and the cool thing about what you just said is this concept here is that relationships reveal who we are. That makes me think about, and I haven't, I can't wait to tune in her podcast, uh, um, uh, Michelle Obama's okay. podcast. Um, but that's one of the things that usually when they show a clip of her, um, when she's talking about it, she talks about, you know, being president and being first lady and just kind of that. And what she said is situations like that reveal 
who you are. Yeah. Right? They reveal who you are. They don't make who you are. They reveal what's already there. For sure. Right? Um, and kind of the mirror of that is a phrase by Maya Angelou, I believe, and Oprah Winfrey's used it too, which is this. When people show you who they are, believe, believe it the first time. Yes. Don't wait to the second or third time to believe because when they show you who they are, it's true. Mm. Right? Um, I did a recent podcast about that. Mm, um, and it was about trusting, listening to and trusting your body and your instincts and your intuitions. Right? And during that podcast, I talked about this concept. In terms of relationships, since you've been alive, the longest relationship that you have is with your body, yeah. right? Your mother, right? The placenta and your body. That's yeah. the longest. And, and really, the body is. So if you don't listen to and trust your body, your intuition, um, you know, your instincts, which are all part of that whole gestalt, then who can you trust? Right. Right. And I always tell people that when they come to me with a symptom that they can't explain and they've been to 15 doctors like Maylot mentioned that. I couldn't believe it when she said she'd been to 19 different doctors yeah. before she came to me. And she said all of them, just about all of them pushed pills and she's got a medicine cabinet full of stuff that was going to deal with the symptom, but not the real problem. Address the issue. Right. But I think a lot of times people don't trust their instincts. They don't trust their intuition. They don't trust their body because there's so many other things that are trying to tell them the opposite. And like you said, I think it's all about tuning into the right things. For sure. Right. Um, And, you know, just like you've just said um, about relationships, revealing who you are and being mirrors and, you know, Michelle Obama saying the same thing about leadership and different power positions revealing who you who really you are. are. Yeah. I think that that's played out through history so many different times. I think that in history, so many times you see that leadership positions, when you look at presidents yeah. and dictators and leaders and things like that, I won't name any specifically, but you can <laughs> certainly think of some when you think about the news recently, right? Yeah. But leadership positions reveal who, who people are. are. And that's, yeah. you know, and I think relationships are the same way. And I think what you said is really, really important in terms of mirroring. For sure. And projecting. And that For also sure. brings up some of the people that I'm thinking about recently, too, because some people operate by projection. And a lot of times, Most sadly, people. it works. Most people. Right? I recently heard it's not that relationships don't work. People don't work. True. True. I love that. This is work. I love that. It's work when something comes up in you and you're angry at your partner and you have to tap into yourself and you have to take that time to yourself and, you know, you have to dig it out of yourself. That's challenging. And a lot of people would, re- it's easy. It's so easy, so easy to say it's your fault. Yes. It's very challenging to go in and do the inner work because you may keep be digging so deep and not even realize it's that deep. And it be something that, you know, happened when you were five years old. So that's hard to say, I'm going to address this and I'm going to face it. So many people don't want to face it. Well, you know, and that brings up another really, really important concept, um, which is one that, that I always talk about uh, with clients during sessions especially if it's a coaching session. Yeah. Maybe not as much with therapy sessions sometimes, but especially with coaching sessions is this concept, which you just kind of alluded to, uh, which is the concept of tapping into something, right? Tap, right? Like tapping a button, like pushing a button, 
you right. Yeah. And that kind of brings up what you were saying about mirroring and projection. Yeah. But, you know, I always talk about this concept. You cannot press a button that doesn't exist. Hmm. You cannot press a button that doesn't exist. What do you mean by that? Right. If somebody presses your button, yeah, that button existed a long time ago and they just triggered something that started a long time ago. You can't press a button that's not there. That part. If you, you know, if you buy an appliance, right? If it doesn't have a button for a function, you can't perform that function. True. It doesn't exist, right? If you buy a washer and dryer, and let's say it's got an ability to pre-soak, if they left off the pre-soak button, it might have the ability to do it, but you can't activate it. There's no button for it. The opposite, the inverse of that is this. If somebody triggers you, all they did was remind you of a trauma that was created a long time ago. They just reactivated a neural mm -hmm. network that you thought didn't exist. Right. And you got to take and once you realize that you've been triggered and that that button exists, once that realization happens, once that's acknowledged, once you're aware of it, you have to accept and take responsibility for it because for sure. it's yours. For sure. Before it existed or before you realized that it existed, it belonged elsewhere but once you know it existed once you have an awareness of it you're responsible for it for sure and i want to tap into something you just spoke about with the body yes the body is so important and yes. the importance of cleansing the body is important sure. Sure. the importance of what we're ingesting that influences our emotional well-being yes. and our ability to cope with our emotions and sweating, releasing toxins. So, you know, we're here to talk about the challenges, but also the solutions. And I, True. I truly feel that you spoke about connection and trusting your body. Yes. The body always will reveal the gut instinct, the the feeling like something is off will always be revealed, but your connection, the depth of connection to your body and trusting your body will be, will reveal how you show up. So I True. just truly feel that if we take responsibility there, exercising, food, cleansing, you think about athletes, athletes are agile. Athletes have to think fast. You know, athletes are, you know, usually like, you, you well it depends on the the it depends on the sport. Sport, but, <laughs> I, uh, but emotional ba you know emotional balance true. can be present. We'll use basketball. Emotional balance has to be present to deal with all of the different dynamics that are happening simultaneously. Yes. So you find that these people are at the top of their game. Right. They're accelerating in all aspects. We'll use LeBron, his family. He's a father. He's an entrepreneur. He's right. You know a leader. A, he's a leader because he has the power of connecting with his body wow. and being able to use that energy to create. So the more sluggish we are, the more we're not investing in our body, especially as women, the when we're not tapped into our wombs, tapped into our body and connecting with it, we're lost in the sauce. Wow, lost in the sauce. You know, and that that makes me think about something. You know, when you come to my office, there's a process that I recommend. Now, I'll say that, you know, I do have specialty sessions. People don't have to go through the full process if they want a specialty session. But for every person who comes to my office, because my, my practice is a root cause analysis where we're mm -hmm. trying to get to the root of whatever issue you're having, 
not just the symptom, right. which is what you think is wrong or what you may think is wrong or what's causing you to distress or agitation or discomfort, but the root cause, right? I recommend that everybody go through the full process, right? That's a first initial consultation session where we just kind of dig and do research and gather data for about two hours. And then the second one where I give you kind of my feedback and, you know, kind of identified patterns and cycles and oscillations and things like that. But the funny thing about what you just said about the basketball analogy is I think it's perfect because one of the things, one of the concepts that I try to get across to people during that second initial consultation session is, is the, the three point shoot analogy. Mm. Right. Right. And it's this, when you shoot a three, and I was never that good at basketball. I tried and tried. <laughs> I think like every white guy except one was better than me when I tried out for basketball in seventh grade. But hey, that let me know that that wasn't, wasn't the thing I thing. needed to. That wasn't. I didn't need to go into <laughs> basketball. And I had a basketball goal. I used to practice all the time. But you know what? That was revealing because that let me know that I had a problem with anxiety. It wasn't basketball. Mm-hmm. I was fine, just shooting around the backyard with whoever was there. It was knowing that there was an audience watching me. Wow. That was the issue. And that was an insight into anxiety. But my point is this, almost every session, um, the the second initial consultation session, when I talk about where we're going to start, how we're going to start finding solutions and dealing and helping you move forward, I use a three-point shooting analogy. And the reason why I use it is because of this. If you're shooting a three-pointer, one of your hands supports the ball. Right. The other hand thrust the ball forward right right but your eyes are always focused on the on the on, no, on the no, rim right the net right so when you shoot a three-pointer one hand supports the ball the other one thrusts the ball forward but your eyes aren't focused on your hands your eyes, on your the eyes are all on right. the prize on the <laughs> net the goal right for sure and what that means is a couple different things number one you've got to be focused on what the solution is and Ooh. not focused on the problem yeah the other thing that it means is supporting the ball and thrusting it forward is all about one thing, practice, mm. practice and self-love and self-care. You have to practice it just like anything else. Sure. Now, you just brought up the whole concept about nutrition and diet. And I, in my book, The Nutrient Diet, I talk about that all the time. Yeah. You know, it's the first book of its kind that's half, you know, the science of the, nutri- the, um, the science of the metabolism of the physiology of the biochemistry of the things that you eat and what your body does with them. Right. right? And, and what to do and what not to do. The second half of the book is all about the psychology. But I tell people this when they come to me with a problem, and I have a lot of people, uh, a lot of clients who come to me and say, you know, I've been to eight doctors for my depression, and I've tried 18 medications and nothing has worked. Can you help me? And I say, well, you know, yes, I can help you. But here's the thing, and, and I think this is one of the things that's lost in medicine and healthcare these days most medications, especially in psychiatry and mental health, are based off increasing a neurotransmitter or decreasing it, right? Okay. So if you're talking about a mood stabilizer medication, which are used to address things like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, they decrease dopamine, right? Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to get off on too much of a tangent here before Dying. we return to self-care. But if you have too little dopamine, you end up with something like Parkinson's disease, right? A movement disorder. If you have too much dopamine, you end up with bipolar or schizophrenia, Right. But I always Mm. tell people this um, um, is this concept here. If you're going to increase a certain neurotransmitter in the brain, like, for instance, in depression, it's uh, serotonin. 
that serotonin comes from the things you eat. Yes. And so if your diet, your nutrition is deficient, right. what's it going to produce it from? Right. And I think that's one of the hidden answers for a lot of people who go from medication to medication to medication from antidepressant, from Prozac to, to you know, this to that. And the reason why they don't work is because you don't have the building blocks. Mm. It's kind of like if you decided uh, you bought a piece of property, right? Yeah. Every Real estate's a big thing right now, right? But if you bought a piece of property and you said, well, you know what? I want to build a house, right? But no bricks, no wood, none of that stuff ever got delivered. Will a house ever get built? Not ever. No, because you need bricks and you need mortar and you need wood and you need screws and you need workers, right? But if you, even if you got a hundred workers out there, if there are no bricks, they can't build anything. Yeah, you need the Diet and nutrition is so important. Everything. It's everything. Absolutely. Let me go back a little bit to, to kind of self-care, right? And self-love, yes. right? So um, while self-care and self-love sound similar and are often conflated, the two things are actually fairly different. And both are important to keep track of and seek out when you're in a relationship. Self-care means taking care of yourself physically and mentally, mm-hmm. while self-love means showing kindness to yourself, Right. If you are able to take care of yourself and love yourself, you will be able to be more present and loving towards your partner, which can help strengthen the bond of your relationship. Self-care and self-love might sound a little abstract to you. If that's the case, here are a couple of ways that you can practice self-care and self-love in your everyday life, right? Yes. So one of the top three things that I found listed in terms of how to practice self-care in a relationship is this. Number one, taking time to be solo, right? Solitary time, right? Number two, setting boundaries. And number three, managing stress levels, right? Would you agree with those? Oh, definitely. Yeah. For sure. So in terms of taking time to be solo, how does that manifest? Quality time with self. Yes. Reading. Yes. Journaling. Meditation. Mm -hmm. Walks. You know, being in a relationship, you're still solo, you're still an individual. True, true. So it's about creating a life that's enriching. And like yes. you said, engaging in habits and practices that uplift you and stimulate your energy. Being in a relationship is just the icing on the cake. You know, it's just. Right. It's our responsibility is to create our own happiness. And then that partner comes in and amplifies that, you know, magnifies it because it's two, it's not one. So, you know, I'm very big on my self-care practices. I have a, I have a theory where your self-care practices inform your self-love. Yes. And the self-care practices are almost like energy deposits. Yes. Into your self-love bank account. Absolutely. So I love that So people that analogy. really love themselves, yes. you'll see them investing time into their mind. Right. You'll see them engaging in running or whatever their thing is. Right. You know, but there's all of these small energy deposits that they have chosen to Mental invest. Mental muscles. Yeah, they've chosen to invest in their mind, body, spirit, Soul. and emotions, and... Boom, like that self-love is the result of that, is the result wow. of those actions. Wow. Wow. You know, and another thing that makes me think about it, too, is is this, um, you know, like I said, I you know, was born in the 70s. 
And that's when cartoon, you know, Super Friends was on. I was with, you know, Wonder Woman and Superman and all that stuff. But, you know, there was also a couple called the Dynamic Duo. Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. And they used to, like, hold, touch hands and say, what, three, two, one, activate or something like that. You know? That's and deep. they activated together, but they were called a Dynamic Duo. You know what I mean? Um, and there have been other kind of things. I don't know if I can't remember Batman and Robin were a dynamic duo, but you know, the thing about it is, is, is the concept of the word duo yes. too, right? Because in the word dynamic, right? That means we're better together than apart. For sure. And I think that's, that's kind of like the dynamism that's so important in relationships is that when both people take care of each other, Right then there can be better present and contributors to the relationship. For sure. Three, let me read a couple, a few other things, and then I'll kind of jump into more, some of the differences between self-love and self-care. Hopefully you have time to do that. Um, But yeah, uh, how to practice self-love in your relationship. So one of the ways is being present, right? Mm -hmm. Another one is how to recognize your feelings, right? Insight, self-awareness. And the other one is seeking spiritual connection. Yeah. I think that one's really, really important, seeking spiritual connection. And, and let me just kind of be clear. Um, to me, in my opinion, it's not so much about like what your religion is or what your, the way that you practice spirituality. To me, it's more about tapping into an energy reserve that you can draw upon right. during adverse circumstances. For Would you sure. agree with that? I do. It's connecting with a with a higher power, and I think that most relationships at this point are devoid of that. Right, like devoid of connection with the source within ourselves. And so, if that's the case, then how can we, you know, be in these relationships and really create together? I do believe that everything is spiritual. Yes. And we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Absolutely. So therefore, relationships are spiritual. True. But if there's no spirituality in them, there's no building in them, then it's going to dry up. There's no nutrient, you know, but that also starts with self and the individual. And on my platform, I really encourage spiritual growth. Right. Especially in women, too, because I find that women you know, historically have been like the spiritual nucleus for the family. True. And so if we are in a society where women are not spiritually connected, then we're creating children that aren't spiritually connected. And we are attracting partners that are mirrors that are not spiritually connected. And we're, we're just out here again, you know, dusty. Like, (laughs) well, you know, and I think it's also kind of like this. I think I like the analogy that you kind of use the accounting kind of analogy, a balance sheet, yeah. right? Which is a balance sheet. Uh, a balance sheet is all about the health of an organization, a company, right? So that's what companies do. They look at their balance sheet, right? And if a company has a losing year or a bad year, hopefully they have assets and reserves that they can draw from, mm, right? And I think spirituality the is the same thing. I think spirituality is that asset, that that spiritual, mental, asset that you can draw from yeah. when times get tough. And I think a lot of times if you, if people who don't have that connection, I think they're more likely to go th- towards things like technology and other things to kind of fill the void. But I don't think it does it's not that. Fill it. I don't think you can fill the void. Um, I, and I think it kind of goes back to kind of the analogy, the example that I used earlier about building a house, right? If you paid whatever amount of money for a brick house, 
they can show up with the, with as much wood as possible, but that's not going to get your brick house built. You exactly. want to, you paid for a brick house. You want a brick house, for sure. right? Uh, and it doesn't matter how much wood or stucco or, you know, Anything. stone it's or whatever brick. they show <laughs> up. If it's not brick, it's not brick, right? Sure. It goes back to the building blocks. I'm going to list some 10 ways that you can practice self-care and self-love unconditionally every single day. Number one, take time to stop, right? Which you mentioned earlier, right? Stillness and silence and taking a, a break, a timeout. Number one, take, uh, number two, take time for yourself, right? Me time. Yeah. Uh, three, celebrate your victories no matter how small they are, right? And practice gratitude. That's big. Yes. I want to interject on that. Yes. Going back to living, mm -hmm. so many people are not living. And there is an importance of celebrating the small wins. Yes. And there is an importance of, how do I say? I, okay, I'll give you a story. Okay. I recently produced a show. Oh, wow. Thursday. Okay. And it was it's a variety show, Love, Sex, and Relationships. Okay. So many moving parts of producing a live show versus being in a controlled environment, right? I can only imagine. Controlled environment, boom. A live show, anything could happen, right? right? So you're moving through, your left and your right brain are working simultaneously and you're trying to balance it. Yes. Right? Because anything could transpire. And so amidst, I was, you know, oscillating between the two. And it was very interesting to observe because my, my left brain is very much so like perfectionistic. I see the vision of my right brain. How are we executing that? So my left brain is like da, 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 da. And my right brain is just having fun in it. But they're like these things going on simultaneously. Like an orchestra. Like an orchestra. And I can say in that moment, like I wasn't feeling the grand, my left brain was not feeling the grandest about some of the things that were transpiring. But when I, when I drove up, and I sat, you know, in my driveway and I took a moment to breathe. I was yes. like, wow, congratulations. Like you really did that. Nice. nice. And I don't think the old me would have done that because right. I'm, I'm a military child and I'm an executor. We right. get it done. We produce. What are we doing next? Do it. What are we doing next? We're athletes. What are we doing next? What win? What victory? Right. But it's like, no. And I was so proud of myself right. for congratulating myself and saying, you did such an amazing job mm -hmm. because that's a victory within itself. And that's a celebration. And we are so much about doing that yes. we miss that life is about being. Yes. 100%. And, and I was so grateful to be in that space because it showed me my growth and my ability to just congratulate myself, love myself, really be my own best friend yeah. amidst it all. Because I think that's what it's all about. The self-love and the self-care journey is we're so hard on ourselves that we are not even our friends at all. We're really our, our greatest enemies. You know, and I think that brings up an, a, a really important point that, point that you mentioned, too, is this concept here. So many people are so busy doing. Yeah. And seeing, yeah, and listening, and feeling, and not being, right? They're not present. So they're not. That's they're escaping. So hard though. They're it's, escaping. It's hard. They're not present. It's hard. I'll be honest. Like it's hard. True. I, I grew up in a household where it's like you're taking a nap. What are you doing? Right. When I I had to right. learn how to take naps. 
<laughs> like that's but so many people are like that. They say I can't nap during the day. I can't right. I can't take a minute to rest. I have too much to do. We're trained sure. to overwork. Sure. And and in that you're not living. Sure. You're just existing. No, absolutely. And I think it's really, really important for people to celebrate uh, victories. And a lot of my clients who are really always on the go, type A personalities, always get achievement oriented, things like that. One of the things that I tell them is your life lesson is going to be to have a darn seat every once in a while and you just sit down. Me. You said that Did to I say me. <laughs> and then I spent a whole year sitting down. Oh, like, my God. Oh, my God. My life. Yeah. No, like, you, you just achieved this. Go out to dinner and celebrate before yeah. you move on to the next project. Take your butt out to dinner. I needed go ha- that. Go have, go celebrate. I needed that. Celebrate yourself, your win. Your, you got to reward yourself for the effort that you put forward because sooner or later, there's another part of your brain that's going to be like, I've been doing all this and you can't say thank you. Okay, let's see what happens when I check out, right? Thanks. Uh, and in a similar situation, I, you know, not that I try to bring up politics, I try to stay away from it, but, it was, but to me, it's an insight, right? Right or wrong, no matter which side of this issue you're on, and I think there are a lot of different voices that have a valid point, but is this, and, and this is just an observation of mine as somebody who commutes every day from my home to my office, right, in, in Atlanta, which yeah. is some of the worst traffic, is this. You know, a few years ago when people said, we want to defund the police, and right or wrong, because I, I, I think there's merit on all sides of the issue, but the police said, it, it, based on what I see, okay, we'll disappear and see what it's like. And now you've got all these accidents, you've got all this craziness, you've got all these incidents and things like that, because, you know, regardless of how you fall on that issue, somebody said, somebody checked out, right? And I think the same thing happens with the brain. I think if you, or a car, right? Yeah, if you work, a, if you work your brakes, they're going to check out, right? And before that thirty thousand mile mark that that the dealership told you you need to bring it back for, they're going to check out. If you drive in Atlanta and you'd have to deal with this traffic, you're going to be replacing your brakes oftenly, right? And it's going to be an expensive endeavor. The same thing is true of your brain. If you don't replace certain parts or replenish them yes. or reward them, mm. they're going to give out. Uh, let me go back to this list. Um, number four, be more indulgent with yourself, which goes back to what I just said, right? If you celebrate yourself, you're allowing one part of yourself to be celebrated with indulgence, right? And I always say, take yourself out to dinner, right? I'll say this because I had an episode that was mm-hmm. my favorite episode to this date and it was on romance. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because everybody had their different concepts of romance. And then I pulled up you know, different definitions in the dictionary. There were like so many different definitions of romance. romance? Wow. It was fascinating. Wow. But someone asked me about romance and I was like, I live a very romantic life. Like everything is, because if romance is about the senses, then everything is just sensual. And so I'm, the food that I eat are incredible and I'm drinking, you know, incredible and the people that I'm around and the smells and it's a very romantic existence. You know what that makes me think about too, because you know, I, I like to cook. I, you know, for people who follow me on Facebook, you'll see, I love to cook baked fish, steamed vegetables. I like to play around with pasta and sauces and I'll do all these kind of things. Um, But you know, 
it's kind of like a romance. And I think that's why so many people are tuned into cooking shows these days. That's why that's why Eva Longoria's got her new show, Finding Mexico. I think that's why uh, 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 Stanley Tucci had his show, Finding Italy. And I mean, yeah. I learned a lot from that show. If you haven't seen the episodes of Finding I Italy haven't. and you want to know how to make a white sauce, or you want to know how to do this or cook Italian food, you got to turn into that. Yeah. And and then, you know, before that, Anthony Bourdain had his show. Love right? Him. That was so, and you learned from his show. So influential. You learned about culture. You learned about food. But I think you brought up a a really, really important point is this, the concept of romance. Romance is not just something you have with people. It's it's something that you experience with your senses. It's a lifestyle. Senses. Yeah. You sense it. It's a lifestyle. It's like a a duet, an orchestra of your senses, I think. Uh, Let's see. What else? Surround yourself with positive people, Right people who are adding to your bank account, your mental and emotional and spiritual bank account instead of subtracting from it, right? And if you are around people who are constantly zapping your energy, your spiritual energy, your mental energy, your emotional energy, then what are you going to do? You're going to end up in debt, right? You're going to end up with a liability and you're going to end up depressed. What else? Adopt a healthy lifestyle. You've been saying that the whole show, right? And it says physical activity is the most important thing And it has to be something that allows you to stay motivated and consistent. Number seven, learn to say no. no. Ooh, that's big. Right? And I tell people that all the time. The reason why so many people are in chaos instead of order is because they have absolutely no boundaries. None. None. And the reason why boundaries are so hard to create a certain person just came to mind, but I won't say who he is. That's another person who's like overindulgent and everything. But you know, the thing about the thing about creating a boundary or having boundaries, which allow you to have healthy relationships with yourself and with other people is this, you've got to say no to some things. And specifically the biggest person individual that you've got to say no to with boundaries is yourself, yourself. Right, because you're saying no to your impulses to say yes and to get approval from other people. Yeah. Right. So that's one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to create personal boundaries and even professional boundaries is because it involves saying no to themselves. And the 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 part of them that says yes to everything is a neural network that it's easier for them to use. Right. It's the path of least resistance that I was talking about earlier. Right. And so it's a network. And so as a child, you learn to say. Yes to a lot of things. Now, there's always a kid who says no to everything, you know. And we love that kid. That's true, true, <laughs> true. And I mean, and some of those kids grow up to start big companies and everything else because they learn to say no. But we're so conditioned to please others and get the acceptance of others by saying yes that we don't keep boundaries on our own behavior and our own energy yeah. and our own currency by yeah. saying no. So uh, the power of no is so important. Let's see. Number eight, stop comparing yourself to others. And I would even go further than that. Stop comparing your circumstances to others. Stop comparing your journey to others. Stop comparing your purpose to others. Yeah. Uh, number nine, remember that you are unique, right? And then number 10, don't hesitate to ask for help, mm. right? And I think most of us have a problem doing that, you know, asking for help. Um, you know, I want to wrap up today. Uh, if we can, um, hopefully I have a little bit of time left, but I want to go through a list, uh, just a short list 
of things that are good for you in terms of loving yourself, self-care and self-love, and in terms of relationship, right? So I'm going to go through that list now. And these are things that anybody can do, right? Regardless of their circumstances. Number one, plan an escape, right? A vacation, a trip, a reset, a reboot. Number two, book a therapy session. Mm -hmm. Number three, spend time in nature with those you love. Four, adopt a pet. I love that one because pets give off such positive energy. Uh, Number five, fill your home with things that make you smile, like incense or like candles, right? Rebalance. Go screen free, right? Let go of technology. Disconnect. Disconnect. Seven, give yourself permission to say no, which I just talked about. Number eight, eat alone. Number nine, read a book. Ten, carve out time for exercise, physical activity. Eleven, lock the door, right? Wow. Remind yourself, 12, remind yourself of your worth, right? Yeah. Gratitude and celebration, right? 13, splurge, which is another one. 14, meditate. 15, make time for little things. 16, organize your space, your environment that you live in, right? Yes. 17, ask for help or ask for what you need, which are different, right? Because mm. mm. help is different from what need. Help is an emergency or crisis. Need is what you desire ongoing on a regular basis, right? 18, pamper yourself. 19, set boundaries. 20, journal, which is something you brought up earlier. 21, take a bath, a long bath, with hopefully with some scented candles, uh, some oils, some bath salts, things like that, right? 22, let yourself scroll. 23, take a social media break. 24, plan a date. 25, dance it out. Go to the club and just let loose. 26, schedule time for your hubby. 27, conscious breathing. You talked about that earlier. And that's the power of the breath, which I think is really, really important because breath, breathing, is the universal equalizer for every metabolic activity that we have. Mm. 28, set goals. 29, try a new recipe. 30, honor your spiritual needs. 31, cry it out. And I think I love that one. Sometimes just cry it out. Just cry. 32, pick up the phone. And number three, something, number 33, something you said earlier. And you said, that's part of the reason why you came to me. Sleep. And there's a whole chapter in my book, Sweet Potato Pie for the Spirit, Soul, and Psyche. The second chapter of that book is all about sleep. And you mentioned it earlier, divorcing yourself from technology and creating an environment that allows you to reset and reboot right? And recalibrate because that's what sleep is all about. Um, So I'm so glad that we got to cover uh, so much about self-care, self-love. Are there any other things that you kind of want to bring up about that topic and self-love and self-care and what that means and your journey and, you know, just kind of advice that you want to give people about self-care and self-love and what that means and how it manifests and how you keep it going on a regular basis? I don't want people to get overwhelmed. Okay. Because whenever we're creating change or bringing something into our life, again, simplicity, simplicity, simplicity is simplicity key. Simplicity is key. Absolutely. Choose one. Yeah. We're in a brand new month. Sure. You know, this is April 1st. Huh? And April so, Fool's Day. Right. I've talked to a couple people about this month. Just be radical. Wow. Just do something completely different wow. than what you would have done. Just choose the exact opposite. It may, wow. who knows how it's going to turn out, but give yourself 30 days to just be radical and choose one thing to focus on. Reset the switch. 
reset the switch. Rewrite the script. And just see what happens. Wow. That's amazing. What, that's what, a good what piece. Could it, that's what a could great piece of advice. Yeah. Yep. So if you if you normally go out to dinner on a Saturday night and you normally get the, I don't know, the beef bar blanc, switch to the chicken switch this time. Switch it up. Try something else. Try the trout. That you never would. Try the trout. If yeah. you normally cook this, try cooking that. If you normally listen to this, listen to that instead. Wow, that's amazing. New neural net paths. New oh my net God. networks, right? That is so true. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This has been an amazing podcast for sure. uh, episode. I did not expect this to be two episodes. It is two <laughs> episodes instead of one. But that just shows the power of energy flow, yeah. right? And especially between two people who are empathic, you know? Yeah. I just think it's it's just like a duet, right? Like an orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when the music, the instruments, the tempo, the rhythm come together, you feel it. For sure. And that's what this is all about, feeling, which is what you mentioned. Exactly. Feeling and being, yeah. right? So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Tell me me. again how people can reach you on social media and otherwise. You guys follow me on Instagram at I am Phoenix Soul. That's P-H-O-E-N-I-X-S-O-H-L as well as on YouTube. And just stay tuned. There's so much that's going to be underway, you know, TV and some different opportunities. So just tap in with me there and then you'll see what's what's coming next. And now, are they able to get your candles there too, or they have oh, to go somewhere different? Go to Gold Soul and get the candles and oils. Uh-huh. That's G O L D S O H L, and we're lighting the way to well being. S O H L, yes, not S O U L. No. Okay, so as long as I know that, right? <laughs> exactly. Gold Soul, I love yes. that. How did you Thank choose you. that name, by the way? I don't even know. Gold. I, mean, I love gold. Right. I love gold, and Soul is, you know, a. a my brand. Right. So it was just like. And it sounds like S-O-U-L too. Right. right? For sure. For sure. <laughs> A and, golden and, soul. And exactly. That's what we're doing. We're we're elevating. We're lighting the path. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode. I hope that you learned something. This has really, really been a, an incredible, a fantastic, a spectacular episode. Um, for sure. Just the things that I've learned uh, from you today. Um, so everyone definitely keep tuning in to the episodes. Definitely find Phoenix soul online, follow her, buy her candles, <laughs> try it out, try out a scent, reset the environment. If you do nothing else new, buy one of her candles and try it, exactly. try it on the weekends, try it on a Saturday, try it a Sunday, create a romantic environment exactly. for you and your partner or just for yourself. I love that. Right. So do that. Get a hot bath, make a hot bath. Try making something new, light up one of her candles, you know, try different ones, see one, what, which one works for you and see if igniting the sense of smell changes things, mm. right? So definitely do that uh, and definitely tune in for the next episode of the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. Like I said, I did one earlier today on time. Definitely tune into that one. We did an episode earlier this year about stability, the one that I did with Maylot. I did one on the Ohio train derailment recently. Um, And I also did one recently on the power of spring and seasons, right? And that's another way of tapping into energy. So thanks so much. And um, oh my God, go in peace, go in stillness and do like she did. Like she said, try something different that you would not have done and see how that resets 2023. (laughs) 